I usually preach sermons for about 45 minutes. Um, once or twice I've gone over the one hour mark, but I've struggled this week to keep things tight and tidy. So don't worry, this isn't going to be um, one of those long ones tonight, especially if you've had some of that Chinese food uh, and it's nice and warm in here. You might be tempted to, to drift off, uh, but I'll try and shout a few times and, and, and scare you, keep you awake. Um, but I really just have a couple of things today. As I mentioned earlier on, this is a momentous day for us as a group of people, uh, a little church. I think we can call ourselves a church now. Uh, we've some, sung some songs, so we must be a church. Um, but here we are. Um, and this is my, uh, my sermon, my first ever sermon in Foundation Church. And I'm kind of excited. Uh, but like a, uh, the guy who's just got married, um, a bit nervous as well, you know. But uh, I'm going to keep it brief uh, just for your benefit. Uh, so what I want to say to you today, uh, I want to give you one statement I'm going to make, and I want to give you one challenge. And that challenge goes to pretty much everybody who can hear me, but uh, particularly to those of you in the core group. Um, but we'll get to that in a bit. One statement and one challenge. And the statement I want to say, and I'm going to be, by the way, referring to that Bible text that Susie just read out. So have your little service planners handy and you can, you can look over the back and, and see the Bible text. The first statement, the only statement I want to make today, and I want to be crystal clear uh, in our first service together. Number one is that Christ is the foundation. I hope that was clear. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. And um, from the songs we've been singing... Uh, from what we've been saying so far and from the Bible text, Christ is the foundation. That's the statement I want to make. And we see that in this uh, Bible verse. Uh, we see that in verse 11, where Paul says, No one can uh, lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Christ is the foundation. We've just read an excerpt from a letter that Paul wrote to uh, a church in Corinth. Um, it was planted by the Apostle Paul, this church. He started it up from scratch, we can say. Uh, Corinth itself was on a, an important trade route in the, uh, uh, the Roman Empire. And as such, it was a city of means, uh, some diversity. Uh, a lot of people from all over the world came to live uh, in, in Corinth uh, for the money and to trade. And the church itself were facing uh, a number of problems. They had only been going a few years by the time Paul wrote this letter. Uh, and we'll, 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 you see that as you read the whole thing. But uh, they're having issues. They're having some pressures at them. And that's why he, he, he wrote this, this letter. Uh, pressures from the inside, internal pressures, and pressures from the outside of the church, external pressures. And we see that in, in chapters 1 through 3 as we come up to this passage today. Uh, it turns out when we look at the internal pressures... Um, that affecting the church, uh, the church were at a risk of, of splitting up. Um, Paul says earlier on in his letter, I, I hear this stuff among you, he's addressing the church, and he says, some people say I follow Paul, some people say I follow Apollos, who's another teacher, some say I follow Peter, some say I follow Christ. You see, it seems to be that the, the, the church in Corinth all had their favorite teachers, and they were defining themselves by who those teachers were. If you're a follower of him, or him, or him. If you were baptized by him or him or him, that meant you're in this party or in that party. And it seems to be that the church were, were quarreling. They were threatening to tear one another apart. And so Paul confronts this in this letter, and particularly in this passage we've just read. According, he says in verse 10, To the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid the foundation. Someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Paul is saying in, in, this, in this letter to the church, it's not about personalities. It's not about who you follow, your favorite teacher, who baptized you. That is, that is not what you should be building your church upon, says the Apostle Paul. Instead, he says, and we'll see this in a little bit, instead, make sure that your identity, the ground upon which you stand, make sure that the foundation that you build your church upon is Christ. Christ is the foundation. And we can see the fruit as we read on in the, the rest of the letter of, of, of this division within the church, tearing themselves apart. Self-destruct mode. See, there's nothing wrong with having your favorite teacher. But when you make that the ultimate thing, when you make that your identity, when you make that the most basic and defining feature as a church, then you'll create something very unstable and the whole thing will eventually fall apart, whether that's people or the church itself. That is why Paul wants to be so crystal clear. Christ is the foundation. But how exactly does he lay this foundation? Does he come along with an with a innovative new philosophy or a new theological system? No, what Paul does to lay the foundation of the church is he simply comes to the city and speaks of what Christ has already done. He's just being a witness He's just talking about something someone else has done. And so Paul lays the foundation by preaching the good news of Jesus, the gospel, the work that Christ has done. That is what Paul builds the church with. He's just simply passing on the good news. But what is it about Jesus that is such good news? Noah read a few verses, and I'll, I'll just flip there myself. Later on, in the letter, he makes it crystal clear what exactly this gospel, this good news of Jesus, is all about. He says, I want to remind you, this is the church, of the gospel which I preached to you, which you believed, and in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. He says, this is it. Here it is. Listen. I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received. Number one, Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve apostles, then he appeared to more than 500 at one time, most of whom are still alive. You can go and see him if you want. That was me adding that bit. That wasn't him. Then he appeared to James. Then he appeared to the other apostles. And finally, he appeared to me also, Paul says. That is the good news. The Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ, the one long prophesied about, long expected Jesus. He came at a specific time in history. And he lived and he died and he was raised to life according to the scriptures. And a whole bunch of people saw him when he rose. That's the good news. Otherwise, Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, your faith is pointless. We may as well pack up and go home if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. That is remarkable when a man climbs out of a grave and shows himself to 500 people at once. That is remarkable, but he doesn't stop there. All this happened, says Paul, happened for our sins. 
See, he says, when you, when you strip it all back, your most basic need has been met in the gospel because Jesus died for your sins. If you, if you watch the, the news channels or if you read uh, some news articles online or read the papers, there are so many different ideas about what is the worst problem. What is the biggest problem affecting humanity right now? Some people will say, ah, it's, the, it's the flawed education system. If we can fix that, if everybody gets their third level education, if they get degrees, then everybody can get work and then uh, there'll be better trade. Other people will say, no, 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 it's not, it's not education, it's health. So many people are sick. They can't work, so we, 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 we fix the healthcare system. Other people say, no, 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 it's poverty. There are so many people in our own country and in other parts of the world living, on, uh, you know, living under the poverty line, less than a dollar a day. That's the big problem. That's what we've got to fix. And so on. Everybody proposes various forms of their worst, uh, how they see the biggest problem. But according to the Bible, according to Paul just here, our biggest problem as humankind is our relationship to our creator God. It was perfect at the start, but yet it was broken because of sin. Somewhere else in the Bible, in another letter, Paul says, because of your sin, you're dead in transgressions and sin. You're a spiritual corpse, he says, and that has a ripple effect. Yes, it affects the education. Yes, it affects the health, the poverty, the crime, all these other things. But first and foremost, it is our relationship to our creator God. But the good news of the gospel that we're here to talk about every Sunday is that because of Jesus, because he rose from the dead, in him we can find forgiveness, we can find freedom, we can find reconciliation with God, we can be restored, we can be remade, and we can have a hope of a future with him. That is the gospel. And Paul says to the church in Corinth, build on that. They'll be building on personalities. Build on that truth. And so you can so see why it's so important that we get this first part as a church right. Christ is the foundation. Christ addresses all these other evils that we've spoken about. But yet he deals with the biggest problem to face humankind. And that is our relationship with our creator, God. You can see the problem, can't you, with building your life or rather your church around something other than the good news of Jesus. He is strong and secure. We are weak and vulnerable. He is faithful and dependable. We are unfaithful at times, and mixed in our motivations. He is the source and the fountain of all life. We are limited and finite beings who are unable to save ourselves, let alone other people. Christ is the foundation. And as a church, we realize the significance of this statement. And we are determined to build this church on this foundation, which is Jesus Christ. That's why we have called ourselves Foundation Church Belfast so that we don't forget that most basic truth that Christ is the foundation. It doesn't mean to say, by the way, that we're going to go ourselves uh, next week and get a, a, a soapbox and a megaphone and go and stand in, in Shaftesbury uh, Square and, and shout at people the gospel and tell them to repent. 
We might do that, but we're not going to start that next week. <laughs> but Paul is single-minded when it comes to preaching the good news of Jesus. He does it in every city and every situation that he goes to. He's all about Jesus because Christ is the foundation. Yes, he does it in different ways. Yes, he listens to the questions that the people are asking. Yes, he, he modifies his approach depending on what city he's in or the people he's talking to. Yes, yes, yes. And we shall do that at Foundation Church. We are committed to bringing the riches of the gospel into conversation with people around us. People that God brings us into contact with. People that we are in contact with when we go out. We want to speak in such a way that reveals the good news of Jesus, not conceals it. Christ is the foundation. That is my statement. If you forget all else that happened tonight, remember that. Christ is the foundation. One statement, one challenge. And the challenge is this. Take care how you build. Take care how you build. We move from the, the why to the how. How do we do this? Take care how you build. We see it in the, the second half of verse 10. Uh, Paul says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. Then he goes on. Now, if in verse 12, anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, Whatever you're building with, each one's work will become manifest. That is, it will be laid bare. It will be seen, made clear, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only through fire. Paul is not talking about literal fire. Um, He's talking about that last day when all things will be brought before God on the day of judgment. The Bible is, uh, uh, teaches this, this truth that, that we are going towards a day when all things, all thoughts, all actions, uh, all activities of humankind will be laid before God and, and be judged. And Paul is saying that will happen to churches as much as it will happen to people. And so he says to the church in Corinth, how are you going to wind up? How are you going to survive on that last day? Is it going to be burned up because you are using wood and hay and straw? Or is it going to be solid and last because you are using costly materials, precious stones? Take care how you build. I mentioned earlier that uh, there was internal and external problems facing the church in Corinth. With the internal ones, we've thought about following different teachers and all that stuff. But the external pressures were there too, pressing in on the church, trying to get it to conform to what was going on in the world. You see, Christians in Corinth were a, a minority group in a, in a city in the Roman Empire, a city that was highly influenced by a long-standing tradition of, of wisdom and philosophy, a city that was very clear on how life and the universe works, very clear on the definition of success and prosperity. Even at a, a popular level, it was not uncommon for itinerant or, or roaming philosophers uh, to turn philosophy into an art. They would come into the city 
Uh, people would gather to see them, they would, they would pay money, and the philosopher, who was more of a performer, uh, would uh, pre- deliver a highly polished performance, drawing large crowds around them, and they would be judged on their performance, their extravagant monologues, their passionate deliveries, tugging at the heartstrings. It was seen as a, a good night out in cities such as Corinth. And we see elsewhere in the scripture, Paul arrives with his gospel. And it is, it is radically different to what the Corinthians had ever heard of. He didn't fit into this popular concept of wisdom. He wasn't a polished performer. In fact, he says at the start of his letter, when I came to you, I didn't come uh, with lofty speech or wisdom. He says, I came to you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. Paul is saying, look, compared to your philosophers and your entertainers, I can't compete with that. But I have come to proclaim a greater truth from a man who actually stepped out of the grave and beat death. Paul's gospel was radically different to what they had ever heard of. He's come to lay a new foundation, which is Christ. And so he compares the wisdom of Christ with the wisdom of the world. Therefore, Paul says to the church, take care how you build. Some of the materials that you might use, he says, to build a church will last. Some will not last and be burned up and destroyed. Whatever you use to build upon the foundation will one day be tested, he says. A few years back, um, when I was still at medical school, I got an opportunity to visit North India. I spent some time with the hospitals and uh, the leprosy hospitals. And um, I got to go on a few field visits as well. And uh, one time they took me in this transit van and uh, away we went, several hours over all the bumpy roads. And we arrived in this uh, little tiny village. And uh, the people there had been helped by the leprosy mission who I was working with at the time. And um, they took me, one of the people, one of the families took me into their house. And uh, it's one of the most humble houses I've ever seen. Uh, built as it was uh, with, with mud, with actually um, buffalo dung uh, for the walls and uh, bits of straw uh, held up with a central piece of wood. And the, 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 the roof itself was uh, maybe similar to thatch, you know, thatch cottage or something like that. And that's all those people could afford. And uh, it provided some level of shelter and a place for them to get together, to eat their meals, to sleep. But can you imagine such a, a basic house like that standing up when the rain came? Or maybe an unprecedented gust of wind? Or worse still, a fire? A house like that would just simply disintegrate and would be no more. I, on the other hand, uh, now anyway, I, I live in a converted mill and uh, it's a mill that's been there for parts of it over 100 years. Uh, when there's wind outside, I go to my bed, I don't hear it. When there's rain, I don't hear it. Uh, the walls are several feet thick of granite. Uh, that building has survived two world wars, several hurricanes, it's still standing. Paul says, look, you are at risk of building a church that could just collapse when it gets tested. 
You could use inferior or cheap materials, the materials of worldly wisdom, techniques of the traveling philosophers to build your church, but when it gets tested, it will fall flat. I want you, says Paul, to use costly materials, stuff that's going to last when it gets challenged on that final day when all is laid bare before Christ. Take care how you build. See, like the roving philosophers, it would be easy for a church in Corinth to to gather a crowd if you just use the right techniques, if you say the right things, if you offer people the right promises, then they'll come. And you can build your church looking like that, says Paul. But for those of us at Foundation Church, there is this central challenge in this passage. Take care how you build. You see, it's possible for us to get the foundation straight but we want to continue building upon that with materials that last. As with the church in Corinth today, there are a variety of techniques out there for churches, various models that could be used. It is possible to build a very impressive structure, borrowing from worldly wisdom, the wisdom of the world, borrowing from our world of advertising and product placement. Borrowing from the world of business management, how to grow an impressive church structure with the latest leadership techniques. We can can buy into the world of popular psychology, the therapeutic culture that we live in. We can tap into our desire to, to save ourselves, to heal ourselves on our own terms. We can use the latest sociology, the latest anthropology. We can use trends in the pop culture to grow a very successful church. Perhaps for some of us, even closer to home, we can align ourselves with certain certain theologians, certain schools of thought. We can align ourselves with certain church planting strategies. Just to be clear, there is some benefit to all of these things that I have just mentioned. It's okay to incorporate these things when it comes to building a church. There is nothing wrong with that. But there is a subtle danger that Paul wants to point out. And that is uncritically absorbing all of this stuff into building a church on the foundation of Christ. There is a danger that we at Foundation Church can build an impressive looking structure using these tools alone in place of the tools of the gospel, the wisdom of Jesus Christ. Thankfully, Paul doesn't leave us in midair. He poses this question. He brings this warning to the church in Corinth. But then, as the letter to the Corinthians continues, he advances a better way. He gives further instruction in the letter about how to do it the right way, how to build healthy churches, as do the other apostles who write uh, the rest of the New Testament. In fact, as we go further in and study the Bible, we see powerful resources available to us, even us, the ten of us at Foundation Church, and maybe some of you too. Powerful resources for us to build a healthy church. And starting next Sunday, uh, we're going to be looking at these resources. We're going to start into a series called The Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. We're going to be examining what the Bible teaches about ways to build a healthy church and what those nine marks are. Marks, tools, if you like, such as preaching the Bible, such as discipleship, which is helping people to grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. 
Other things like biblical church leadership, making sure that the church is structured according to the Bible. But all of these marks, all of these tools that the Bible gives us to grow healthy churches have one thing in common. And it is that they flow from and begin with and unpack the resources of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Christ is the foundation. It is founded on him. It is built by him. It is pointing to him. All things are from his word and applied to us by the Holy Spirit. Christ is the foundation, but take care how you build. That's my one statement and my one challenge. I'm just going to wrap it up by applying that to three different groups of people who may be sitting here. You may identify with one or the other, or maybe some of all three. First, I want to address those people that have been with us over the last six months or so, who have formed part of our little core team. First of all, I want to thank you uh, for committing, for giving yourself to this little adventure, uh, for your resolve and for your encouragement to me and for your service. But to you, you ten, I want to say, are you ready? Because what we've been doing up until now is really just the the warm-up act. This today is where it starts. And who knows, this time next week there could just be ten of us sat here. Are you ready? Are you willing to go the way God shows? Are you willing to follow his word? Are you willing to do that even if it costs you, if it hurts you, if it costs you time and money? Are you willing to build your lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ and enjoy him together and demonstrate that to the people around us? Christ is the foundation. Maybe the second group. I want to speak to you. People who are just sort of generally interested in what we're doing. You you may be a believer in Jesus already. You may not be a believer in Jesus already, but maybe you're just interested in what all this is about and who we are and what is all this talk about the gospel and and Jesus and salvation, all that stuff. Maybe you just want to know more about what makes us tick. My challenge to you is to consider joining us for the next nine weeks, or maybe, that sounds a bit daunting, just come along next week and see how it goes as we, as a church, unpack some of these resources that Jesus gives us. Come and learn. Come and get to know us. Come and discover what it means that Christ is the foundation. Come and learn of him and come and taste what that's like. So if you're interested... Come back uh, next Sunday. Why wait till then? You can talk to me after the service. If you want to know more about building your life around Christ or upon Christ the foundation. The core group, the interested people, and the third group I want to address. Friends and supporters. You're here to wish us well, to pat us on the back, to, to support us from the sidelines. And if you're in that group, I want to say again, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us, for encouraging us, whether it's been uh, 
just your presence here, your messages you sent us, your, your prayers. We are so glad for people like you. But my challenge to you tonight is whether you would continue doing what you're already doing to partner with us, to support us, to commit to pray regularly for us. You may even want to give financially to help what we're doing here happen at Foundation Church. More importantly, to see the gospel of Jesus happening here. Christ is the foundation. That's my statement. And my challenge, let us take care how we build. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would help us to uh, understand some of these things, to uh, apply these words to ourselves. It is my prayer for Foundation Church Belfast that we, as a group of people, will become rooted in and stand upon Christ, who is the foundation. Father, I pray that we, together, as a group of people, as we expand, as people get to know uh, you and, and come to faith in Jesus, that we will build well and we'll build faithfully and we'll build fearlessly and we'll build humbly and with compassion. We pray that we would become a church that is glorious in your sight, one that builds with these costly materials that will stand the test of time. Help us to stand firm on Christ the foundation and give all glory to you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.